This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. I want to talk about worship today and how God has called us to a courageous life that is devoted to Jesus. Say with me, it's all about worship. I've said this before and I'll probably say it another thousand times, but we want everything that we do at Courageous Church to be about worshiping Jesus. We want everything that we do to be about Jesus. I know that sounds good, and in theory, that's typically what most Christian churches want, but it's really easy to get caught up in doing things for Jesus that we lose sight of spending time with him, that we lose sight of worshiping at his feet. And I've heard it said this way, it's easy to be so focused on the work of the Lord that you neglect the Lord of the work. Can I say that again? It's so easy to be focused on the work of the Lord, all the things God's called you to do, that you neglect the Lord of the work. I believe our our highest calling, our chief priority as a church living in the earth today is worship. My hope for you is that 2020 would be a year where you can establish new priorities and new habits and new rhythms that will lead you into a place where you can make more room for Jesus in your life. I believe that the the challenge to me as a pastor and leader in this house is that God has called me to live what I preach, to live what I believe in such a way that I'm making more room for Jesus in my life that I'm spending time at his feet, that I'm stopping to pray and to do so on every occasion. Today, I wanna talk a little bit about the heart and I wanna talk about what it means to actually live a life that's devoted to Jesus. And then I wanna look at a few practical ways that we can do that as a church. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verses nine. We'll start right there reading from the NASB and it says this, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And I emphasize that, those whose heart is completely his. We could say it this way, the eyes of God are always searching for those whose hearts are devoted to him. Webster's Dictionary defines devotion as this, the fact or the state of being ardently dedicated and loyal to something or someone. I like that definition, ardently dedicated and loyal to something or someone. In our case, I believe that God in this hour with his church and within the world is actively seeking out those whose hearts are devoted to him, whose hearts are ardently dedicated and loyal to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I found that it's actually quite easy to move away from being devoted to something when distractions come, when life comes, when busyness sets in. Can I get an amen? It's really easy to get distracted and to move away from a life of ardent dedication and loyalty. It used to be a long time ago that when you worked a job, you were there for a while. The recent Gallup poll and report says that about 60% of current millennials say that they're open to a different job opportunity, and that's 15 percentage points higher than the percentage of non-millennial workers who say the same. It also reveals that 21% of millennials say that they've changed jobs within the past year, which is more than three times the number of non-millennials who report the same thing. It used to be that back in the day when our parents and grandparents were around, 
that you would work a job and you'd, you'd stick with it for years and you'd develop a, a trade or you'd, you'd find your way and, and pay your dues and, and climb the ladder. But now we live in a time where it's easy to jump ship. It's easy to search out new and better opportunities. And for many of us, that's the temptation. Well, if I go here, I can make more money. Well, if I do this, I can get a better schedule. Well, if I go here, I'll have better benefits. If I do this, I'll have better perks. And my concern is that it's caused us to become casual, not only within our work life, but in other areas of our lives, where we treat God the same way, where we treat our, our, our families the same way, where we treat the things that should hold the most amount of value that way. And it has me thinking about us as the people of God, about where we're at in our devotion to Jesus and where we're at in our commitment to stay with him when times get tough, to stay with him when things don't always go our way, and they don't. Obviously, we see this trend within our culture at large, but I think it's bigger than that. I think it's because we have these things called hearts, and our hearts are drawn in so many different directions. And it's not just toward idols and detestable things. I mean, we can make good things into idols, can't we? We can make stuff that was meant to be a gift in our life into an idol, something that we pursue outside of what we're called to worship. We can get so caught up, I think, sometimes just in the, the next best and latest greatest activity that we lose sight of the one who paid it all, of the one who sets himself continually before us. This is why I believe we need new hearts. I'm not just talking about our physical heart. I'm talking about what the Bible calls the heart, which is the center of our inner life and inner thoughts that ultimately define us. In the broader sense, this would also include our mind and our emotions, the place that drives our desires and our decision-making. In other words, it's the core of who you are. It's the core of who I am as a person. And so from 2 Chronicles chapter 16, we know that the eyes of God are consistently moving throughout the earth, searching for those whose hearts are his, whose hearts belong to him. But there's a problem, isn't there? Because of idols and sin and unruly desires, the heart is corruptible and it's wicked and it's easily divided, the Bible says. Who can save us from it? Praise God that in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we are given the promise of a new heart, an undivided heart, a heart that beats after him. When we're talking about devotion, what we're really talking about is having a heart that pursues Jesus at all costs, that longs for him above all other things. Listen to what God says through his prophet in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 27. Here's the promise. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is a prophetic picture of what God would go on to do in and through his son, Jesus Christ. The promise of God is for his people. It was to give them a new heart and with it new desires and the capacity to be devoted to him. I believe this, in this context, he was speaking to Israel, but he's also speaking to us today. God wants to give us a new heart. He wants to give us new desires and place his spirit within us. 
so that we can walk in his ways. Many of us try to walk in his ways apart from his spirit, and then we fail and wonder why. Many of us are drawn away to many other things, and we make good things into idols, and then we wonder why. I believe this. God wants to help you, by the power of his spirit, live a life that is devoted That's devoted to him. That's devoted to Jesus. Jeremiah echoes this in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 39. He says this, and I will give them one heart. There it is. One heart and one purpose to worship me forever. This will be for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. I'll give you one heart, an undivided heart for one purpose, to worship me, to be drawn with our affections and our desires into a loving relationship with him so that we can marvel at his feet, so that we can marvel at the feet of the miracle maker, so that we can behold Jesus and love Jesus and adore Jesus. And as we behold him, we become like him. As we adore him, we become like him. And so in our growth and maturity and the goal that God has for our lives, which is Christ-likeness, as we worship, we become what we worship. We become like the things we worship. That's why worship is so essential and so powerful. We don't do this just for a day and a season or when we feel like it. The goal is that this would be a permanent reality that the Lord would lead us in so that we could worship him forever. Someone once said that the goal for our lives is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do you know when God is most glorified? When you are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. And do you know when you're most satisfied in him? When you worship. When you worship Jesus, you find your satisfaction in him and he is greatly glorified in you. What a beautiful picture that is. Church, what we worship and how we worship absolutely matters. It's so important and it's so much more powerful than I think we typically realize. You know what the greatest battle being waged on the earth right now is? The greatest battle being waged on the earth today is about who's going to receive your worship. It's not the battle being waged in Iran or in Syria. It's not what's happening in North Africa or Pakistan. The greatest battle being waged is happening right here in your heart. It's about who's going to get this. It's about who's going to receive our worship. Jesus, when he first showed up on the scene, After he was baptized by John, the spirit leads him out into the wilderness, the scriptures say in Matthew chapter four, to be tested or tempted by the devil. And you know what the devil's final attack on Jesus was? His worship, his worship. And it's the same thing he's after today. Listen to what it says here in Matthew chapter four, verses eight through 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Satan comes to Jesus and he he comes to us and he says, all of this I will give to you if you'll just fall down and worship me. Can I tell you something? That's the same thing that he offers each and every one of us each and every day. I'll give you this, kingdoms, glory, riches, influence. It can all be yours if you just fall down and worship me. Battle for our worship is real 
and it continues to this day. And I love the words that the word that's used for worship here in the Greek translation. It's proskuneo, which means to kiss the hand of, to become prostrate before, to bow down before and kiss the hand of. And it was a word used back then for people in reference to their dogs. They would expect when they greeted their animal, their, their pet, their dog, that their dog would proskuneo their hands, that they would lick and kiss their hands. Do you see the picture that's being painted for us here? Dogs would proskuneo, they would worship their masters by kissing them and licking them. And this is what Satan wants. He wants you and I to bow down and kiss his feet. This is what he was asking Jesus to do. Jesus, I'll give it all to you if you just give me a little kiss. Just one little kiss. That's all I want. Just lick my feet, Jesus. How vile and how disturbing. That's what the enemy wants us to do right now. He comes to us and he says, just worship me. Just kiss me. Just a little kiss, just a little taste. Just one lick. And it starts off small, doesn't it? Just one little lick, just one look at that pornography. Just one little lie. Just, you know, one little show on Netflix. One bad relationship. It's just a kiss. It's just a little kiss. It's just a little worship. It's not that big of a deal. Come on. I'll give you what you want. You want glory? I'll give you glory. You want power? I'll give you power. You want success? Oh, I'll make you successful. You want influence? I'll give you that too. A courageous life that is devoted to Jesus is a life that says, no, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow to the enemy. I'm not going to bow before idols. I'm not going to kiss their hands or feet. I'm not going to be drawn away into the arms of another lover. I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to set my heart's affections on Jesus. I'm going to set my heart's affections on the one that we are called to worship. Jesus said, it is written, Satan, you shall worship the Lord your God only and him shall you serve. And I believe that as the church in this hour, we need to reclaim this posture and this attitude and this resolve that we're not going to kiss the feet of serpents, that we're not going to enter into relationships of compromise. Come on, I know I'm getting into the hard stuff today. Can I be real? This is what we're called to be about. Worship isn't just about singing songs and giving him lip service. Worship is about who you're kissing, who you're in relationship with, who you have intimacy with, who you're falling down before, who you've set your heart's affections on. And Jesus says, you will worship the Lord your God. He quotes to him Deuteronomy. He quotes the word and he says, you will worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. By the power of his spirit, Jesus could say this. By the power of his spirit, you and I can say the same thing. Because we have the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus. And if we have the same spirit, we have the power to say no to every temptation, to turn our back on idols and to say, no, that's not what we're going to do. That might be a shortcut and a fast track to what I think I want, but you know what? That's not what the Lord wants for me. I choose to trust him. A couple of years ago, I found the Lord really convicting me about, let's just call it lying. And I'm not talking about big, bold-faced lying. I'm talking about calling in sick when you're not really sick. Come on, we've all done it. Just telling a little lie, you know. 
I'm sorry I was late because I had this and that, but really you just forgot to hit the alarm. I'm talking about the casual places of our life where the battle of worship is waged most. And God just began to really convict me about areas in my life where I just had not been living up to the standard that he has for me. And I, I went, Lord, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's easy to make excuses for those areas and to point out everybody else's big idol. And God's like, no, 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 you've made yourself and your self-justification into an idol. And I need that to come down if I'm gonna use you in this way in capacity. And I hope that you, you see from my transparency that the battle for worship isn't just about the big things and the big moments. When you're at the bar a little longer than you should have been and that girl comes up to you and says, hey, what's going on? It's not just about those big moments. It's about the little things. It's about the little ways, the casual ways in which we either decide to bow down and kiss the foot of a serpent or kiss the feet of a king. Because our worship, rightfully placed, is at the foot and the feet of Jesus. We see this with Mary and Martha. Jesus comes into town. Mary is just worshiping at his feet. And Martha, as we know, she's getting caught up in the work, right? You've all heard that sermon a thousand times. It has me wondering a little bit about how easy it is to sometimes make idols out of the things that are necessary in our life, like our work, like our schedules, like our responsibilities. Well, I got to provide for my family. Well, I got to do this. Well, I got to do that. And we make all these justifications for all these things that we elevate above Jesus. When in reality, the call for you and I as courageous people is to be devoted to Jesus. It's to be found at his feet. It's to know that that's the most important thing that we could give our lives to. In another telling of the story, the woman breaks open her perfume and wastes it. And the disciples are like, what did you do? We could have taken that and fed the poor. We could have done, we could have built so many houses through Habitat for Humanity. I mean, come on, Jesus, why would you allow her to waste that on you? And Jesus says this, he says, what she has done is beautiful to me. And everywhere the gospel is preached, you will hear about it. Worship is so much more powerful than we know. So much more powerful than we know. My encouragement to you and I is this. It's that we would set our hearts' affections on Jesus. That we would know that we have his spirit in us, which is all the power we'll ever need to rightfully say no to the wrong things and say yes to the right things. Say yes to the things that draw us closer to each other and closer to him. I firmly believe that before we do anything, we need to pray and we need to worship. So how do we do that practically? I, I mentioned that we'd look at just a couple practical ways. How do we worship Jesus? We worship him with shouts of praise. We see this all throughout the scriptures that we declare his praises over our life. We know that there's victory in our praise. We worship him with songs of adoration. We did that this morning. This is where we just adore Jesus, where we just tell him how much we love him, how much he means to us. This is an opportunity where we can fall at his feet every day and, and bow our lives to him, bow our hearts to him. We worship him with moments of consecration. This is where we get to declare that our hearts belong to him and him alone. And we get to recalibrate them to keep coming back to him. We can do this in the quiet place. We set out time. We, we carve out time to be intentional with this. We can also worship him with our giving. We place God as king upon the throne of how we spend our money and how we worship him with our resources. And we get to worship him with our time, the way that we spend our time. Ultimately, we only have so much time in a day. We only have so much time. And so the question is, how much time are you gonna give God in your day 
for worship? How much time are you going to give him to speak into your heart and for you to speak into his? I could go on and on. And eventually we'll talk a little bit more about worship. But here's what I want to say in closing. Our greatest priority in this church is that we would live lives that worship Jesus, that are courageously devoted to Jesus. Courageously devoted. Courageously devoted means that we risk something. In 2020, what is God asking you to risk for Jesus? I want to let that just settle in a second. Can we just take a moment just to close our eyes and to allow God to reveal to us the things that he wants to grab a hold of in our lives? God, what is it that you're calling us to risk for your son? Would you show us now? I believe this, that to worship Jesus, to really worship him, it means that we have to be willing to risk the things that are nearest and dearest to our hearts. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, if any man, if any woman, if any child would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. It sounds like risky business to me. It sounds risky, but I believe this. It's the only way that you and I are going to really, really live. It's the only way that you and I are going to find our life in him. That's what he's saying, isn't it? Whoever would wish to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life, whoever risks everything for my sake will find it. Maybe the answer to the question that you've been asking, maybe the, the answer to the problem that you've been dealing with, maybe the answer to the thing that you've been seeking and searching for is found when you absolutely risk your life for Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like for everybody in the room today, and I know it's gotten real quiet, but I believe that to be a people that are courageously devoted to Jesus, we need to ask ourselves that question. We need to wrestle with that question. If we're going to be a church that's influential in this city and in this valley and in this community and in this state and in this region, we need to ask ourselves this question. What are we willing to risk for Jesus? Thank you for listening today. To find out more information about our church, including ways you can give, please visit us at courageouschurch.com.